Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. And yes, we are back with another show on Your Story with Melinda, and I have a wonderful guest and friend with me, Elle Pike. And you're going to love what she has to say, because we're going to talk all about how to be all things <laughs> to all people. No, we're going to talk about like real things, about church, about being a woman trying to do it all, how to balance ministry life and entrepreneurial life. So there's lots of wisdom you will glean from my guests. Let me tell you a little bit about Elle. Elle is a lay minister with the Free Methodist Church in Canada. She's also the program manager of the New Leaf Network. And I'm fascinated by this. It's a Canadian Christian network that supports church planters and spiritual entrepreneurs. And she's also the director of marketing communications at Sales Evolve Solutions, a business development company based in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. So she is one busy woman. Let's welcome Elle to the show. Hi, Elle. Hello. All across the world, they're clapping and I going, woo! It. She's here in the studio. I hear it. So glad that you're here. So let's start off. You've got like three hats you're wearing. As I've been interviewing lots of women and lots of my friends, it seems like a lot of my girlfriends mm-hmm. wear a lot of hats. So let's start, I want to talk about all three, but I think, first of all, how did you get to be a businesswoman, a lay minister, and also working for church planting? Like, how did this all evolve? I mean, maybe it's more background on you and your sure. story a bit. It's a long story. It's okay. We've got lots of time. Uh, 27 so, minutes. 27 minutes. And 37 seconds. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, yes, I am wearing all these hats. Yeah. I'm trying to wear them fabulously. So I guess a good place to start really, my story's a lot like other people's stories. I grew up in the church, you know, Pioneer Girls on Tuesdays, youth groups on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And um, I think probably around the time I was... 16 or so, I kind of had a sense that maybe I was called to ministry. Now, in the denomination I grew up uh, in, shout out to my POC friends, mm-hmm. um, there were lots of women that were ordained um, and doing ministry, but they were typically in um, kids' ministry roles or uh, worship pastor roles or communications, you know, creative work. I didn't really sense that's what God had in store for me. And so, you know, I didn't really see women teachers or associate pastors or senior pastors. That's not to say there weren't, Mm -hmm. but in my context, I didn't see that. And I was wondering, God, was there a place for me? If you're calling me to some kind of leadership, I'd always had leadership instincts when I was young, but I really didn't know what that all meant. And, you know, I had a little bit of teenage angst and rebellion in there as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went on this interesting journey and decided, you know what, I think I am going to go to Bible college and see where this world takes me. But when I got to Bible college, I went through a bit of a season of deconstruction. And really, I started evaluating faith, what I was reading in scriptures, what I was seeing, and I probably had a few years where I probably wasn't my best self in there. I think I let cynicism get into my heart. I never really had a problem with Jesus. I was always quite jazzed about Jesus. Uh, you know, that, yeah. I know some people go through this time where they start to, you know, is there a God? I never had that sense. I always sensed that there was something, but it was really the church, the systems, the structures, the religious system around it that I really had a lot of questions about. And I didn't seem to find answers. It was just question mm-hmm. after question after question. I'm sure lots of people have uh, been in similar spots. So after I went through Bible college, I thought, you know what, I don't know that I maybe want to go into Christian ministry. I don't know if that's actually what God has for me. And so I got involved in the business world. 
So really? I took a lot of those leadership skills, communication skills, and I just found another application for them. So mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily go to school with business in mind, but uh, that's kind of where my journey got me. So are you saying that you didn't see your role as far as having a leadership role in the church, so you went to business to sort of exercise the gifting? Is that what you're saying, essentially? Yeah, I would say yeah. 50% that and 50% just not sure what I saw at that time was really, I couldn't really see myself plugging in in that way. And to be honest, there is still a big struggle in the business world for women to have, you know, equal pay, equal rights, things like that. I found that leadership positions were a lot easier to find in the business world. There was a lot more acceptance of that. There wasn't this theological argument hanging over your head. You just, if you know, if you were competent and you worked hard, um, a lot of times you're able to to receive that recognition and be given the opportunity to lead. And mm-hmm. so that's where I found myself for a number of years. You know, Ella, it's such a struggle. And I've had to really wrestle with this, try to reconcile it, because it's, you know, especially for me as, as a communicator, somebody that, mm. you know, has leadership ability, you know, you're in a church context and, and depending on denomination and for, you know, listeners and watchers, they would understand that. For somebody who doesn't understand that, it means, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Church denominations are, are different ways of how people worship or their theological understanding of, of the Bible and what they and what they get from that. But I remember thinking, you know, here you are in the church. There's always this sort of glass ceiling for women that you could only hit. And then you'd go into the business world and you would see women who are CEOs and presidents and exercising leadership. And there was such a, yeah, there was such a tension because you're like, you know, I love the church and I want to use my gifting here, but I being I am being told that I can't. And yet when I'm in school, high school, college, I am seeing and witnessing women rising and and being incredible leaders and managers in that way. And it was, as a young woman growing up, it was really hard. It was hard to reconcile. And people go, oh, but Melinda, the Bible. But I'm like, but I don't understand because then that means that we're, we're one thing out in the world, secular quote unquote world, and yet we're another thing in the church. Right. And as a woman, it's like, you can't do that. As women, we're not wired, I think, to compartmentalize. It's, it's, it's fluid. We're, we're all things everywhere we are. Absolutely. So it's very hard. What, how did you work that out? I know that you went into the business world, but how did you, because now you're a lay minister in the Free Methodist Church, what was that journey for you to try to reconcile that and struggle through that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think as I started journeying through business and entrepreneurship and that idea of um, starting new things, I I live in the Waterloo region. And so that's kind of a hotbed for technology startups, incubators, um, accelerator centers, and really people that are trying new and innovative ways of business, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to technology. I started seeing those principles applied and started wondering, I wonder if we could do that same kind of thing with church. Hmm. And I think, to be honest, my love, my really falling back in love moment of church and really getting involved in church planting initiatives happened when I started thinking, wow, what would it be like if we became innovative as a church, meaning church in Canada across all denominations? What would it look like um, for us to start to try new things, to risk and not be afraid of failure? And actually seeing success as not just, oh, we were successful, but success is actually you tried something. And even if it didn't work out, Mm -hmm. the fact that you stepped out and tried something is the success. I started Mm -hmm. seeing those principles in the business world um, just because of of the world that I was around. And I started getting really excited to think about how could I apply those principles to my faith and how could I see that innovation happening in churches across Canada? So I think that's probably where a lot of the hope mm-hmm. came from. And at some point you have to decon you know, you can only deconstruct, deconstruct for so yeah. long before you don't have much left. So mm-hmm. I started trying to say, okay, instead of saying all the things that I don't think church should be or 
let's start thinking about what it could be and dreaming and hoping about what it could be. And so I think that kind of positive energy, and of course, I believe that that was the Holy Spirit um, leading and guiding me, I think I started getting this renewed vision for what it could be like. And so for me, I found a denomination that would ordain women. They've been ordaining women, the Free Methodist, since the 70s. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I had to find somewhere where my gifts and graces for ministry would be recognized and honored. Um, And so I kind of got back into the church thing and got back involved. I'd always been attending, but really got back involved. And, and renewing that dream of mm-hmm. being a woman in leadership in the church, um, kind of with this idea of of innovation. I love that because for a long time it seemed like words like innovation were outside of the church, right? It was almost like a scary word, like no, you know, we have to be, you know, again, you know, rooted in the foundation and 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 what we've always been and our tradition. Oh yes, and and words like innovation never. I don't remember growing up ever were spoken. Now, I know that the church is is changing and that words like innovation and authenticity and things like that are coming, you know, to the forefront, but growing up, Elle, it was never that. No. It was like this is how it's always been, this is how it was, here's our foundation, our forefathers. Right. Right. Yeah. So, that's a really mm-hmm. amazing new step. So, let's talk about that because I think there may be people with questions cuz you you're part of this whole church planting, you know, initiative mm-hmm. and, and social entrepreneurs. I, I guess the question for some people would be, why would we need more churches right. in Canada or, or even North America when we see churches within our cities closing? Sure. You know, like I've, I've driven down, you know, downtown cities and now they're, they're cafes or they're condos and churches are closing. The church building itself are closing because there's not enough people. Right. Um, talk to me about that because I'm actually fascinated um, about th- this whole idea of church planting when it seems like it seems to be, and I don't know the stats, that more people are not going to church or traditional church going mm-hmm. in on a Sunday morning that actually less people are going. So explain that because why would we need more churches? Sure. No, <laughs> right? it's, a, it's a great question. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a question that everybody should be thinking through. I'm not, I wouldn't say I, I'm the uh, authority on stats, but mm-hmm. when you look at some statistics within the Canadian culture, um, the last research, I believe it was the Pew Research, they said that it was 24% of um, Canadian Christian adults and 32% of teenagers Canadian teenagers say that they have no religious affiliation, none whatsoever. And then there's another big section of the Canadian landscape, which would call themselves duns. So they're done with church. They've actually been to church a number of times. They've gone through the religious system and said, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore. And I think it was in the last 10 years, um, we've had a 10% decline in people that would wow. say that they're Christians at all. So if you kind of take a look at our Canadian landscape, yes, there are churches closing, no doubt. But are there churches that are being planted? Are they being planted and thinking about this population, this growing, really the largest growing religious affiliation in Canada is none. That is the largest. There is no Buddhist Billy Graham that is going around converting people. It is people saying, I have no religious affiliation anymore. So then these church plants, at least the network that I'm in, um, the New Leaf Network, we're trying to think about how do we plant churches, not just for the nuns and duns, no, but how do we keep that population in mind? Um, and a lot of the churches are closing it, and it is it is sad. But I think some of those reasons maybe have to do with a lack of innovation, maybe mm. have to do with some of these areas where the church necessarily hasn't been on the forefront. I mean, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, yeah. you know, and he promises that um, he will grow his church. And that's not just a few churches, that's his church universally. So mm. I think part of being 
you know, a good Christ follower is trying to go and make disciples. And data tells us that church plants actually do well at that. Um, people will come out to something that's new. They'll come out to something that's different. Yeah. Um, uh, now, Canadian culture is so different from the United States. Mm-hmm. A lot of great data coming out of the United States. We're a little different here. But I think we have to be thinking about church plants because I think that's what the Spirit's telling us. Mm-hmm. I think when you see those clothes in those um, buildings that are shutting down in those denominations, it is sad. But my hope is that we can start to see new and fresh expressions of church um, okay. fill those spaces. So what would that look like then? Because an innovative... Um, you know, fresh expression of church. What would what would that look like? What what does the I guess what I'm asking is what does the church need to be? You know, yes, to to you know get disciples and make disciples. But you know, practically speaking, what does that look like? And what would that look like for a young millennial or somebody who is done with church because of the religion of it? Right. And also what we're taught in, in university and college and all these kinds of things, oh, right? Yeah. So what would that look like? Because I, I, I absolutely agree. But then now the question is, what does a church need to look like? And what is its role in Canada? How does a church really help Canadian society? Right. I wish I had an easy answer for that. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wish that I did. I, I think the best that I could say at this point in my journey would be, I want to see healthy churches in Canada. I want to see churches that are are kind of looking at Canada with missionary eyes. Mm-hmm. When you see missionaries go overseas, um, you see them, they, they're looking for the gaps. They're looking for the areas of connection. Um, they're looking for the ways that they can listen and learn before they, you know, try to prescribe an answer or a way or, you know, they're bridge builders. They're mm-hmm. looking for bridge builders. And so I think it would be a a difficult shift, but perhaps a really important shift to think as Canadian Christians to say, you know what, we're, we're not necessarily the majority. We have to start looking at our own backyards with missionary eyes, seeing those gaps. How do we relate? You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who would say for sure that he's a nun. I can't use scripture to appeal to him about God. He has no no use for the Bible. And so I can say to him, but the Bible says... And he'll be like, but, but so here, what or but what, on this right? Verse, yeah. So I have to start really thinking outside the box and really lean and trust on the Holy Spirit to say, okay, I love your word. I read it. It's it's bread and life to me. Mm-hmm. But to other people that aren't there, how do I help them? I believe that you're bigger than yeah. that, that you, you're already at work in this person's life. So God, help me to make these bridges, mm-hmm. to build these bridges with people in this way, to use things, to use creation, to use maybe a little bit of apologetics, maybe a little bit of service, love, justice. What do I, what can I, what do I have in my tool belt here? But see, oh, this is the, this is it. And as you're talking, I'm like, ah, that's it. First of all, for you, it's this desire and passion for it. Second, it's work. Oh. I think what has happened, and I'll be straight up, a lot of people who say they follow Jesus, Christians, lazy. Because oh. that's a lot of work to start thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't just use the, the, the traditional usual way of, like, here's the Bible, come to church. Come to a building on a Sunday early morning at 9 o'clock right. to listen to music we're not familiar with, music that is telling us that we need to raise our hands and love Jesus when we don't. Right. But what you're saying is it actually takes a lot more, it's innovative, but it's also really intentional on getting out of our comfort zone, thinking creatively. And for, I, honestly, my sense is I don't think a lot of people want to do it. I know that sounds horrible because no, you're like- We've all been there. Right? We've all been there. Yeah, but Absolutely. I mean, you don't want to do it because you're like, that's work. And then I have to think innovative and, and I have to get messy and I have to actually be in their lives. Right. And all of a sudden you're like- it's not an easy thing to just say church used to be come on a Sunday, right. maybe a Wednesday Bible study, maybe a Sunday night service, mm-hmm. and maybe like a potluck. 
It's actually right. having relationships. Right. Absolutely. And when you start thinking relationships with people, it's like, oh, it's, t- it's tough work. It's and, tough, right? And you know, the thing too is our culture, and we're bad for this, you know, we, we live in an era of switches. And what I mean by that is I hit the switch on my microwave and I can make microwave popcorn. Right. I hit the switch on my button at, or on my computer and instantaneously it turns on. We've forgotten the importance of seeds. Seeds and switches. You know, when you're laying seed, yeah. that takes some time. You've got to cultivate that. You got to hang out with that seed. You got to water it. And I think if we, s- it's easy to think, okay, I'm going to do this ABC, and I'm going to get this result at the end of yeah. it, and we like it instantaneous. But that's how, but that's how our faith has been. I Absolutely mean, for some of us who been. are in our 30s, 40s, growing up in the church, oh, yeah. it was like that. It was like A plus B equals C. Say the sinner's prayer, and we're in. Right. Let's just be honest. And. It's not like that. People see right through that now. It's like, mm, no. Like, how does this work in my life? Yeah. Tell me really, like, how is Jesus the son of God? Right. How does this make a difference in my life? What? And you have to be like, have the answers, not have the answers, live your life, be in relationship. And I think that's great about the seeds. Because, I mean, we hear about it and we've heard that in Sunday school, but we've kind of put it to the side like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's another good story. Oh, yeah. But, but that actually was, the story was meant to apply for us to say, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And I think the Canadian church as a whole, it's good for us to think about the long game. Like yeah. these things aren't, we're not, we don't, you know, we don't enjoy all of us, not just the Canadian church. We don't like having to wait for things. We don't no. like having to <laughs> sow seed for a really long time to see, you know, to say, I've been with this person for 15 years and you know what, they still have not come to faith in Christ, but I'm still going to put in the work. We need to celebrate that. Yeah. Uh, we need to celebrate that because that faithfulness and working in the trenches, that that's the good work of the gospel. I love the story. That brings up a point. I love that stories of missionaries who have died faithfully in the field mm-hmm. and they never saw people, quote unquote, come to Christ. Right. And then another missionary comes in and in two weeks, it's like this 5,000 people come to right. know Jesus. And they're like, woo, look at them. But it's right. like mm, the seeds that were sown in the faithful work of these people, missionaries, I mean, around the world, whether it's oh, yes. in our own backyard or whatnot, yes, yes. who have faithfully done that and mm-hmm. said it, those are really, those are the saints. Those are the people who are like, wow, we forget the hard work of that so that it was very ripe and open for when somebody did come in and they were ready. Oh, yeah. And I think that's more, honestly, more like legit in that, you know, I've had some friends, one girl in particular who it took years and she was in a Christian context with me and she asked lots of questions and we went to a Coldplay concert together and talked about Jesus and then on the go train. And then we went to like an Alicia Keys concert and talked about Jesus on the go train and there was still no decision. And then she called me and she said, I was at church and a pastor prayed and I realized, I think it's time now to follow him. Right. And I burst into tears because I'm like, I wasn't even there. Partly the tears were like, right. I wasn't even there for the moment. But it was also, yeah, that's it. Because she came to Jesus on her own, no manipulation, years, right? years in relationship and friendship. And now she's involved in a church. And it's one of those moments I'm like, I'm so thankful and grateful that I got that opportunity. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't even there for it. And the sense of like, I wasn't there to be like, witness it and woo, right? Right, right. So I think that was actually good for me to to be a part of that experience to say, God's spirit works in different ways. He's like wooing, calling people. You just have to be in people's lives and be in relationship. And if it takes going to great concerts and talking about Jesus on the go train, great. Yeah. You know? So 
As far as the the church planting, you are encouraging church planters and is it social entrepreneurs? Well, or we use the word spiritual entrepreneurs, spiritual entrepreneurs or yeah. starters. Okay, starters. Yeah, yeah. And what does that mean? Like a starter entrepreneur, what does that yeah, mean in that sure. context? So I think when this kind of group got together, and again, it's a number of denominations that have come together and said, you know what, we're stronger together yeah. uh, when it comes to this church planting, innovative stuff. So how do we actually resource and equip people to do this well? When people typically look at church planting, pretty quickly you can say, you know what, I'm maybe not a pastor or not a church planter and maybe would say, oh, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. But really the idea of innovation and starting new things is kind of that idea of spiritual entrepreneurship or starters. Mm -hmm. Because you could be starting something new in an established church. You could be starting a new conversation. You could be starting a community cafe. You could be starting, um, you know, whatever it is you're starting. The idea is just to encourage people to start. To start. Because I think all of us, we get busy. Life can, you know, throw all sorts of curveballs at us. We have all sorts of great ideas, but how do we actually have the encouragement to take the first step? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying awesome. to encourage people to start. And I think part of that is really celebrating the small, celebrating, especially in Canada, we're not the best at raising our hands yeah. <laughs> uh, or shining a spotlight on the work that we're doing. And maybe that's an okay thing. Yeah. Um, but really, we want to give dignity to the small things. We want to give dignity and celebrate them because people are doing hard work and mm-hmm. they're doing and trying things. They're trying things in their cities and their churches. So it doesn't have to be an established kind of church plant, just as long as we're getting this conversation going of, of starting new things. And again, by starting new things, we're talking about, you know, missional communities, kingdom minded things. If you see a need in your community, if you see a need around you in your neighborhood, how do you start something to address that? Yeah. It doesn't have to be big and flashy and have a fancy website and have great coffee. It can just... It doesn't? No. Well, it can. <laughs> it can. It I, can. I love good coffee. Yeah. But the idea is that it's just the, the faithful step, yeah. taking the next step. And so we're sharing stories of people doing that all across Canada because people are doing good work. They yeah. are trying good things across Canada. They just maybe don't have the platform or always have the spotlight shining on them. So I just would love to see, you know, in my generation, I just barely make it in as a millennial. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to see that group of people saying, you know what, you know, this is home turf for mm-hmm. us. This is Canada. This is our time. And how do we equip people? How do we move the ball forward? When I see those stats about the nuns and duns in Canada, like it, it breaks my heart. And in my mind, I think, you know what, if we keep doing what we're doing, then we're going to keep getting what we're getting. Yeah. And if we're not happy with those results, if you will, if we look at that data and say, oh, Lord, we need to do something different, then let's actually do something different. Yeah. Let's let's try. And you know what? 30 years down the road, we might say, none of that worked. Like, we are no further ahead, but at least we, we tried. tried. Yeah. We, at least we tried. And We're said, just sitting back and just being right. a spectator, being entertained, right. and then being critical of what's not right. happening or what is happening. Right. It's kind of stopping that idea of the armchair quarterback. Yeah, you know, absolutely. people that sit and can make all the plays, but they're not on the field. Mm-hmm. So we're encouraging people, don't even think about a football field. Just think about a teeny little field in your community. Like, you yeah. know, think small, that's fine, or think big, but just try something. That's awesome. El, so clearly you have passion. You're busy. You, like, basically have three different jobs you know, it, sort of in our last time that we have here, um, how do you do it? Because I know people would look at you and and go, you know, how do you balance it? You know, have an authentic, thoughtful mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus right. and still be in community. How, mm-hmm. as a woman, do you balance it all out? Because I think that's a question that, you know, we can both talk about. Because I don't do it well all the time because I'm busy too. And right. But how, how, talk to us about that. How do you make sure that you're well and 
you're able to pour sort of their passion and what God's called you into all of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I wish I had it all figured out. I'm definitely still on a journey. But a few things that I've tried to really live into the last few years is learning to say no well so that you can really live into the yeses. Mm -hmm. It's good. So I love to say yes because I love people. I love things. I get excited. You know, there's great great opportunities. But when I say yes to too many things, then I'm not really saying yes fully to the things that I really feel like God's mm. really called me to do. You know, and there's only so much bandwidth that you really have in a day or a yeah. week or a month. Um, and so I do like the hustle. You know, I like to be doing and to be going. But I've really had to learn to say no to some great opportunities and things so I could really live full into the yes. Um, and part of that, too, was learning that sometimes I feel like the culture around us teaches us that it's a young person's game. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, I don't, Maybe. Know, I don't know if it's sports <laughs> or if it's pop culture, but we get this feeling like, oh, if I'm not a 25-year-old hipster, I may have missed the mark. Yeah. Uh, but I had a mentor ask me a question not too long ago. You know, if you were going to have open heart surgery, who is it that you would want doing that surgery? You know, a 25-year-old that's like, eh, yeah, maybe I can do this. Or a 55-year-old that says, I can do this in my sleep. This is what I've been doing my whole life. And so it was a great reminder not to discount the young Mm -hmm. or to discount the old, but rather to say, you're on a journey and you're Mm -hmm. growing and you're learning. And this time that you're spending, hopefully maturing, hopefully becoming more reflective and more Christ-like, you don't have to hurry the pace. You haven't missed your prime. Your, Your best days are still ahead of you. And so I feel like that actually helps me to be focused on the time that I do have because I don't create this sense of urgency within me that I'm, that I'm missing out. And then my other thing probably is that um, I know the word curate gets used an awful lot, but I do love that idea that Jesus and I are curating a life together, and he's helping me and molding and shaping and growing me into the kind of person that he wants me to be so that I can love and serve other people. And when I kind of rest in that, I feel like it enables me to balance things a little better mm. because I know it's kind of like we're talking about the seeds. Like this is a long, we're playing the, the long, long game, game, yeah. right? Jesus and I were, you know, we have this sense of urgency, but yet, you know, Jesus still reminds us to rest, to have some self-care. You know, he did it with his ministry. There's lots of times when there were big crowds pulling at him and he said he had to get away. So I've found just kind of, even though I like to work hard, finding that time of rest is really important. And just that, I don't know, I just have that mental picture of just leaning back into his arms, like leaning back onto him and saying, you know, we're in this together. Like, and that sense of love that I have from him in that in those moments, mm-hmm. I think it just, then it enables me to not get scared or have that sense of yeah. urgency. And it enables me to say no to some things and say yes fully to the right things. And I love that. I think as a woman, as you get older, you know, I've had women who've hit the 40 mark and, you know, there's been a bit of crisis and a little depression and a bit of meltdowns. Sure. And let's just be honest, that's what happens. Yes. And even though you think it's Hollywood where, you know, older women are saying we're not getting the younger roles it still very much impacts us. And, and as I've gotten older, it's been hard because you're looking, especially in media and television, of they want young women, um, yeah, in sports, in opportunity. But it's taken me a bit. I'll be honest. It was a struggle getting older for me because I, I love youth and I had a lot of opportunities in my youth. Mm-hmm. However, I for some reason, as I was getting older, I had this weird sense of like, I wasn't going to get the opportunities and no one would listen to me and no one would book me for speaking. And as I got older, I realized, wait a second, I have experience behind me, I have opportunity for mentoring, leaving legacy, a lot of wisdom in the work I've done, a lot of things I've seen mm-hmm. and things that, that sure. I've experienced. And I love that curating this relationship with Jesus. And I've actually been able to embrace 
getting older and doing my life well a lot better. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm still a work in progress. So what you're saying is such an encouragement to me because those are good things. Curating life with Jesus, not not rushing this. Because there's a part of me that, yes, there's an urgency because you just never know when you're going to be going home. Oh, yes, yes. Right? So there's a part of like, you know, be active and be diligent in the work that you're doing. But there's also that part of like, absolutely, Jesus Jesus was like, let's rest. Let's be within my community of friends mm-hmm. and, and pour into their lives, mm-hmm. even though the crowds are wanting me and that's that's a little celebrity. But I think it's it's good to always return back to Jesus and his life and, and what he was about because mm-hmm. that's who we follow and that's what we've decided. But I think that's good, Elle, because I think as a woman, we need to remind one another oh, yeah. that. Slow it down. Remember who you follow. Remember who loves you. Your best days are still ahead and of you. Thank you. And, my, and our best days are still ahead of us. I'm encouraged by you. I really uh, thank you for the gift of you to Canada and really to the world, I'm going to say, because people are listening and watching all over the world. But thanks, so. I really appreciated this conversation. I'm encouraged by, is it New Leaf? NewLeafNetwork.ca. .ca. Mm-hmm. And you also have a podcast. Tell us about that just quick in yeah, like sure. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. So the New Leaf Network, we have a podcast called The New Leaf Project. And essentially, we are interviewing people all across Canada that are doing exactly what I described in the trenches, planting churches, trying new things. We're listening to their stories of success and failure. And essentially, we're just being encouraged and equipped. It's great to hear that people are trying things yeah. across Canada. And what's the podcast? Where can we find the podcast? Uh, it's where all lovely podcasts are found. So iTunes, okay. yeah. Google, and you can find it on our website as well. Beautiful. Well, thanks all for being with me. Thanks, and uh, cheers to us. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.